Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm your host, Carly McBride. As always, don't forget to subscribe to Order Up on Apple, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. This week on Order Up, we're talking with Aaron Frazier, Vice President of Public Policy with the National Restaurant Association. Aaron will give us a closer look at the top five policy issues restaurant operators should be watching in the remainder of 2023. Download the policy primer for more information. We will be sure to include that link in today's show notes. But continue listening here. We'll hit all the highlights today. So Aaron, let's go ahead and get started. Earlier this summer, over 600 members of the National Restaurant Association came to D.C., Operators attended hundreds of meetings and left an impression while they visited their lawmakers on Capitol Hill. So what was one of their primary policy recommendations to legislators? Thanks, Carly. It's great to be here. It's amazing to go visit Capitol Hill with our members when they share their stories during meetings. They're investing their time in issues that they really care about. They're great storytellers. And I think we've selected some of these issues that, from an operational level, affect day-to-day hiring, expansion decisions, and really just the long-term viability of the industry. In Congress, our number one issue right now is addressing the rise in credit card fee processing. The way we do that is through the Credit Card Competition Act. Restaurant operators have seen swipe fees that have doubled over the past decade, and debit and credit swipe fees combined cost businesses $160 billion last year alone. Governments around the world are actually taking action on this. Most recently in Canada, they lowered credit card fees for small businesses by up to 27%. It's time for that kind of progress here in the U.S. Only two credit card companies currently control 80% of the payment processing market. This bipartisan bill led by Senators Roger Marshall and Dick Durbin would introduce competition by requiring the biggest banks to enable at least two credit card processing networks. So this way there's just more pathways for a secure payment to happen. It doesn't do anything else other than add a independent processing network. This overall, once it's fully implemented, could save consumers and families an estimated $15 billion a year. But our message to you, when you see your lawmakers at the Labor Day parade, if you are contacting anyone on Capitol Hill, keep up the fight, educate customers and our lawmakers, and make sure that we have updates and we have grassroots alerts for a vote that could happen as soon as this year. Let's get involved. Let's share your voice with Congress. Thanks so much, Aaron. So the credit card swipe fee reform, that's the first thing that you talked about. What's the second issue that members are talking with legislators about? Right now, about 80% of restaurant operators currently have job openings that are tough to fill. We worked with lawmakers on Capitol Hill on saying, how do we develop a work visa program that can address some of the shortfall in areas of the country where we just simply don't have enough workers to keep restaurants open year round or throughout the day or every day of the week? The essential workers for Economic Advancement Act is key because it will expand the workforce for occupations that don't require a college degree. It's non-immigrant, it's market-driven, And it helps fill job vacancies at restaurants all over the country and providing a great career path. We really encourage restaurant operators to talk with members of Congress about what it means if you have one or two or three extra employees. 
we've heard from restaurants directly and they say, we can extend our hours. We don't have to close on Monday. If I have someone coming in on a work visa to work back in the house or front of the house, I can promote current staff to managerial positions. And overall, they become more competitive and the entire restaurant runs more efficiently and reduces wait times for customers. So that's a big deal. EWEA or the Essential Workers for Economic Advancement Act is a really key plan to help address the restaurant workforce shortage. Thanks, Aaron. There's a lot of opportunity there. So thanks for touching on that one. And it could certainly be a big game changer for many operators. So for the third issue, we're setting our sights on regulations rather than legislation, right? So we're watching the Department of Labor pretty closely these days. Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah, absolutely. When things don't get through Congress, you know, you kind of have to go through two different chambers. You have to go through two different parties. Things grind a little bit slower that way. But when it comes to the federal rulemaking apparatus in Washington, you really just need to have the rubber stamp of the bureaucracy of a certain agency. One of these key rules that the Labor Department provides updates on is the overtime threshold. So today's threshold for who is eligible for overtime for salaried employees, not hourly employees, but salaried employees is $36,000 a year. So if you're making below that amount, then you are eligible for overtime when you work over 40 hours in a given week. However, what the Department of Labor is updating is that threshold and people in Congress and people around the advocacy and activist community, they're saying the Department of Labor should double that standard from $36,000 a year to up to $80,000 a year. So if you have a manager in Fort Worth, Texas, that's making $75,000 a year, under a new proposal at the $80,000 threshold, that manager could be eligible for overtime. So that's something we're watching really closely, and that rule is currently under the last stage of federal review. But there are also two other things that we're seeing on the regulatory front. The National Labor Relations Board is an agency that oversees things like the joint employer rule. What joint employer says is that if you're operating a restaurant as an independent business, there are other employers that could be seen as kind of co-owning the business when it comes to a legal liability standard. So that overlap means that not only would a franchisor and a franchisee potentially get ensnared and kind of like that joint employer expansive standard from NLRB, but if you're running an independent restaurant and you have people coming in that are your janitors, they clean the restaurant, or people that provide linens and in and out and they do a kind of the dry cleaning service. If they're operating in your business during business hours and you have indirect and reserved control over that business, you could be considered a joint employer with them. And if they have any employee violations on labor standards, you, the restaurant, could be held liable for that violation. So a big deal for us, that reserved and indirect control clause that NLRB looks likely to finalize as soon as Labor Day. So again, NLRB rule, big deal, in addition to what the Labor Department is going to do on the overtime threshold. The last thing that we would want to flag, and we did this in our policy primer that, as you mentioned earlier, everyone should download and be on that distribution list. But the independent contractor rule might affect a lot of third-party delivery because of how the independent contractor status will be determined. Long way of saying there might be more changes coming from Washington, D.C., 
They're all in the final rulemaking stage, except for the overtime, which is going to be a proposed rule. So we need that discussion happening. We're engaged and we're there on behalf of restaurants. Thanks, Aaron. These rules will be released any moment now, so it's important to stay tuned and stay informed. While there's always federal activity impacting the industry, state and local changes hit even closer to home. So our last two issues are found at the state and city level. Can you talk about those? Yeah, absolutely. I'm originally from California, born and raised, and I love the community out there. I love the restaurant scene out there where I got my first job at a uh, PCH diner. But what California is advancing through AB 1228 is really, it's an attack on the rights of a local franchise restaurant owner. What they want to do is kind of beefing up that joint employer standard that we were just talking about that we're kind of, we have our eye on from the federal perspective, but they want to have a full on joint employer liability rule, very expansive. It's going to really affect how a franchisee can own and operate and grow their business. It's going to change a lot of that relationship. You know, when you look at iconic California restaurants, I mean, the franchisee model allowed these restaurants to expand. It allowed local ownership. And what AB 1228 is going to do is roll a lot of that back. I would encourage folks to go to stopab1228.com so they can learn more about it and getting engaged because if it's going to start in California, it could go to other places, but we do need pushback early and often on a lot of these really bad ideas. As we saw with the FAST Act that created a sectoral bargaining model for quick service restaurants, we need to be engaged to make sure that lawmakers understand how dangerous a lot of these rules are for the local restaurant operator. The second thing we wanted to capture, speaking of great restaurant destinations, but the city of Chicago is advancing an elimination of the tip credit. It would happen over a two year time period Mayor Brandon Johnson is uh, proudly dons the one fair wage apron when he is engaged in education about this event, about this type of plan. We think it's a really important time to engage on the tip credit. Even if you're not necessarily running a restaurant with a tip credit in Chicago, we need to make sure that people are aware of how dangerous this is and that a lot of servers and front of the house employees might be losing their tips over the next few years because of the way this completely overhauls the wage model for a great restaurant town in Chicago. And then there's also a second ordinance of an increase of paid sick leave that would give any worker one hour of paid time off for every 15 hours worked, no matter the reason. That would begin in January 1st, 2024. So that would start in a matter of months, but a really important issue for everyone to follow because if it's in Chicago, it could definitely go to other cities and migrate. But those are the things we're tracking on the federal level and then also some of the top line points at the state and local level. Aaron, there's a lot going on in the policy landscape these days. So we appreciate you taking some time to talk us through everything. Again, a note to our listeners, please go to the show notes for the links on that policy primer and all the other links that Aaron mentioned in today's episode. So Aaron, thank you again so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Carly. The National Restaurant Association's latest resource, Always Ready Fire, delivers best practices for what to do in advance of, during, and after should your restaurant experience a fire. Pre-planning and advanced training have a huge impact on keeping everyone safe and the ability of your business to recover quickly. Always Ready Fire is the second in the Always Ready Emergency Preparedness Series from the National Restaurant Association. 
To download your copy of this valuable resource, visit the link in today's show notes. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.